Hello and welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. You guys are having a fantastic Labor Day weekend. For those of you that get tomorrow off, congratulations. For those of you that do not get tomorrow off, um, we all feel sorry for you, but thank you that you are going and doing the very thing that we're going to be celebrating around our barbecues tomorrow, and that is laboring. And so we celebrate you that tomorrow. I'm having a great weekend, legitimately am. This has been a cool weekend for my family. We went, and uh, I was able to take part in a family member's wedding, um, do the officiating of that wedding. We had the rehearsal on Friday night, and then yeah, last night we did the actual wedding, and then on Monday, on Labor Day, I'm going to be doing some premarital counseling with another couple that's getting married in a couple of weeks, and so we're always talking about weddings and funerals at our house, just kind of part of the job description and what um, we do, and our kids love to ask us questions about those things, particularly when they come along, and so since I've got a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old, they're always asking the most random questions um, about what it is that I do, and so here lately, my seven-year-old Caleb has been asking me a ton about weddings and marriage and kind of all that jazz. And I mean, he asked me recently, uh, it was the early part of last week because he knew we had a wedding coming up this weekend. He said, dad, why do people get married? And I said, well, because they're in love. That's what people do when they're in love is they get married. He said, yeah, but boyfriends and girlfriends are in love and they don't necessarily have to get married. So what's, what's so special about getting married? And I'm, you guys, anybody who's friends with me or knows me, you know, I'm not quick on the draw and that kind of stuff, particularly with my kids. And so I, uh, the only thing like I could think of in that moment um, was, well, son, we're followers of Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, there's things that you're allowed to do when you get married that you're not allowed to do when you're boyfriend and girlfriend, which see, and you're laughing, but let me just tell you, I totally stepped in it on that one because I opened Pandora's box for a whole discussion that I was not prepared for. Right. And so, and so he says, well, what, what kind of stuff are you allowed to do? And you got to know he's seven. So I'm not ready to explain everything. I'm not ready to let all, lay all my cards out on the table. Um, but I said the first thing that came to my mind and that was, well, it, okay, and please don't judge because, again, I was just doing my best. I, I, I said, you know how we watch wrestling on Monday nights? <laughs> I says, it's, it's kind of like that, but, but without clothes. And, and at which point he responded, that's it. I'm never getting married. Forget it. I'm done. I say, okay. No, we, uh, we are having a great, a great, that has nothing to do with the talk, but anyway, I figured I would tell you that. We are having a great Labor Day weekend, and I hope you guys have a fantastic Labor Day weekend as well. We're in the middle of a series right now called Holding Pattern, and this has been, and I, we say this all the time, um, but legitimately, I mean this, um, having already um, done a couple of weeks of this series and heard the stories and had the conversations subsequently after these talks, this has been one of my favorite series that we've ever gotten into as a church because it's been so helpful, so practical and met so many people where they're at. One of the things that we have discovered throughout the course of this series is that while there may be a delay in our plans for us, either relationally or financially or physically or with our kids, while there may be a delay in our plans for us, that doesn't necessarily equate to a delay 
in God's plans for us. That maybe you're in a holding pattern and maybe you're somewhere that you don't want to be and you don't feel like there's anything you can do about it and you just want to get to where it is that you want to go. But what we discovered is, is that all too often what seem like holding patterns for us are in fact healing platforms for God. It's where God steps in and does unbelievable, amazing things that we could have never thought of, asked of, or dreamed for for ourselves. And sometimes those things happen while we wait. And we've learned how to to look at what God is doing, even though we don't feel like there's anything that we can do in the middle of these things we call holding patterns. Now, what we're going to spend some time talking about this morning is a concept that the writer of the majority of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, wrote about in regards to followers of Jesus. And it's a concept that many of us struggle attaining, particularly when we find ourselves in a holding pattern because we can know that God's working. We can know that God's moving. We can know that God's active and knowing it up here is way different than being okay with it down here. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, like we can be good with the fact that God's still moving, active and working, but it doesn't change the fact that for many of us, we just want to get out of where we are and get on to the next thing because we're tired of being stuck in this season of life. And the majority of the New Testament was written by this guy named the Apostle Paul and Throughout a large majority of that particular portion of the scriptures, he writes about this one word, and it's a word that we struggle finding so often, and it's this word right here, the word contentment. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, contentment. We we can be believing and have faith in and trust in the fact that God's moving, working, and active while we wait, while he doesn't come through, but many of us struggle being content with where he has us, being okay with where he has us. And for the sake of our conversation this morning, that word contentment is defined this way. It's having peace inside when everything outside is falling apart. It's having peace inside and being okay on the inside when nothing on the outside seems to be working right. It's being okay on the inside when on the outside there's no forward motion, there's no traction, and we can't seem to get where it is that we want to go. But the reality is is this guy named Paul, he wrote about this word all too often. And before you write him off and say, yeah, but Paul didn't have to deal with the junk that I'm having to deal with. Paul didn't deal with the financial situation that I'm having to deal with. Paul didn't have to come home to the woman that i got to come home to. Paul didn't have to deal with that guy that I've got to be married to. Paul didn't, Paul didn't. And here's what you've got to realize, that Paul wrote the majority of his writings about the subject of contentment from prison, from a place of waiting, from a proverbial holding pattern in his life. He knew what God had called him to. He knew what God wanted him to do. He knew the place that God was sending him and the people that he was called to reach. But he wrote a lot of what he he wrote to you and wrote to me and wrote to these churches. He wrote a lot of it from prison when he wasn't getting to accomplish all those things. And he wrote about being content in those moments. So before we write him off and say, yeah, but he doesn't have to deal with the junk that I've got to deal with. No, he had to deal with all too much more. And yet he still wrote that when you find yourself in a holding pattern, God's greatest desire for you and greatest desire for me is to achieve this word, contentment. Let me tell you why this is so difficult for us to experience, why this is so difficult for us to attain. It's because we live in a world and we live in a culture where that word contentment is completely contingent 
on circumstances. When circumstances are going the way that we want them to go, we're content. And when circumstances don't go the way we want them to go, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're irritated, we're bent out of shape. We are upset and all too often we're upset at God because he's allowing it to happen in our lives. But very rarely do we associate this word with difficult circumstances in our life, difficult positions in our life. And the reason is, is because our contentment is tied to our circumstances, and God never intended for it to be this way. One of the things that a lot of people who are close to me know about me is that um, I'm a YouTube junkie. I'm a social media junkie. Like, I get on there and keep up with what's going on and watch funny videos. Whenever I'm studying for a sermon during the week and I get distracted because I've been studying too long, I'll take a five-minute break and just get on YouTube and watch funny videos. And one of the videos that I watched this week, I ran across, it was hilarious. I ran across this video, but it was so indicative of this concept right here that I brought it with me this morning morning and I wanted to share it with you guys. So you guys turn your attention to the screens as we check this out together. so great. The reason that I wanted to share that with you guys is because I think that is a picture-perfect example of how you and I live our lives. And here's what I mean. When things are going the way that we want them to go, we're totally content, man. We'll kind of lean in. We'll relax. We'll chill. We'll stick our leg out. Everything's good when things are going the way that we think that they should go. And the moment that circumstances change, the moment that things change, the moment that things aren't going the way that we want them to go, all of a sudden contentment goes out the window and we're filled with anger and frustration and like all that other junk that was probably going through these guys' heads, right? This is a picture-perfect example of how we all too often live our lives. And that is, we're good as long as everything else is good. But when everything else falls apart, all of a sudden we fall apart. 
And when we find ourselves in a holding pattern, meaning we're in a situation where we can't seem to move forward and we can't seem to do anything to get out of where we currently are to move forward and things seem to be out of our control, some of the last things that we think about are thoughts of contentment, being at peace with where God has us. As a matter of fact, I've never sat as a pastor, I've never sat with anybody that did not say, who was in a holding pattern, I want out. Everybody I talk to wants to get from where they currently are to where they want to be. Very, very few people are content where they find themselves. Which is fascinating because the Apostle Paul, who seemed to be one of the most content people in all of the scriptures, wrote the majority of his writings from prison. And we're going to look at one of those writings in particular that he wrote from prison this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the book of Philippians. It's the New Testament letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to be picking it up in verse 10. Now, when Paul wrote these words, when Paul wrote these words, he had no idea what was hanging in the balance. Let me make sure we clarify that. The guys who were writing the scriptures... They didn't necessarily know that they were writing the scriptures. When Paul wrote these letters from prison, he was writing a letter to a church that he helped establish. He didn't know the implications and the impact. I mean, here's the guy who's writing a letter from prison. You've got to know that in the first century, there are letters that emperors and kings wrote that have been lost that we can't seem to find. And the fact that these letters were preserved was something that would have never crossed the Apostle Paul's mind. He wrote a letter, and he's just hoping that it gets where it's supposed to get to. He had no idea that his words that he penned in prison would be some of the the most widely published words in all of human history. He had no idea what hung in the balance when he chose to remain faithful to God, even in the middle of a holding pattern. You say, Robbie, why are you telling me that? Because I want you to listen to this. Everybody pay attention. Look right up here. You nor I have any idea what hangs in the balance when we choose to remain faithful in the middle of a holding pattern when everything around us is screaming, be faithless. We have no idea what hangs in the balance. God, the almighty God, the creator of all things, wants to utilize your life and my life to accomplish great things on his behalf. And many of those things we'll never get to see and we'll never even know about. But it's contingent on us remaining faithful even in the middle of a holding pattern. So maybe those little decisions, those little conversations... Those little things that you say or little things that you do right now to show that you are remaining faithful when everything around you is screaming, be faithless. Maybe God wants to do unbelievable things through those moments in the same way that he's done here with Philippians chapter 4, picking it up in verse 10. Look at what it says. It says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. That at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, let me explain to you what Paul is talking about here. Paul's been thrown in prison, 
And he sends word back to the church at Philippi that he's been thrown in prison, which is a church that he started. And then they put together like a little care package and send it back to him. The problem is they didn't have the internet, they didn't have telephones. And so word traveled very, very slowly in this particular time in human history. And so when Paul was thrown into prison, he sent word back. But it took weeks, possibly even months before the word got back to the church in Philippi. And then it took weeks, possibly even months for that word to come back to Paul that they cared about him. It took a long time for that care package to come in the mail. And so when he says, I rejoiced greatly when I got your care package. When I found out that you cared about me, that you were, you were still concerned for me, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. You were concerned, but there was nothing you could do to get the information to me any faster. And he uses this conversation that is a very human conversation between one person and another to segue into an unbelievable passage regarding contentment in the middle of of difficulty. Look what he says, verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. He's saying, I'm not talking about this because I'm desperate for your care package. I'm desperate for something to come in the mail. I'm desperate for you to tell me everything's going to be okay. I'm desperate for you to say that you're praying for me. That's not why I'm saying all that. I'm not saying that because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I would venture to guess that if somebody offered a class which guaranteed to teach you how to be content no matter what happened in your life, everybody would sign up for that class. Everybody wants that. Everybody desires that. Everybody's itching for that. The problem is most of us would write it off as impossible or not true. We all want it. We just don't think it's reality. And what Paul is saying to you and saying to me is whether you experience it or not, here's what you need to know. It exists. It's possible. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Basically, here's what he's saying. I've lived in a world where I've had a lot, and I've lived in a world where I didn't have anything at all. And, and I've, I've realized and I've learned and I, I've become keenly aware of the fact that I don't need to become addicted to the things that I have when I have a lot so that when I don't have anything, I'm upset or frustrated or feeling at loss. I've had a lot and I've not had a lot and I'm good either way. Whether God is moving me down the field so that I can share his gospel with people or whether I'm stuck here in jail, I've learned to be content either way. And then look what he says. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, as we read through this, this just sounds like regular English vocabulary. The problem is this was translated from Latin, which was translated from Greek. And the original Greek word that was used here for this phrase, the secret, learned the secret, is actually one word. It's a whole phrase here in English, but it's actually one word in the Greek language. And that word was never used anywhere else in Scripture. As a matter of fact, in the majority of Judeo-Christian writings, this word was never used any other place this one little phrase learned the secret 
I think it's fascinating that he used a word that was completely out of place. You, you know people who like have that word of the day app and they try to use those words on you and you know that doesn't like fit in their vocabulary. They're like a two-syllable kind of person and all of a sudden they throw out something that's four-syllable and you're like, that's not you. You just learned that. You're just trying to figure out how to say it, right? And so this is what it was like. Paul was very intentionally using a word that would not normally be used in Judeo-Christian writings. As a matter of fact, this word was only used in cultic mysticism. It was only used in, in kind of those secret societies where nobody really knew what was going on or nobody knew how to get in. And whenever you figured out how to get in, you learned the secret. That was how that word was used in this particular culture. And he lobs this word into the middle of the conversation. And the reason that he does is he wants to garner attention saying i've learned something monumental i've learned the secret code this doesn't even fit in our vernacular but i've learned something so big so important that so many people long for but nobody knows how to find i've learned this and you need to pay attention to what it is you and i have heard it all too often and we've become numb to it but when the original writers original readers originally heard this particular word they were floored by what it was that the apostle paul had to say I've learned the secret code of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here it is. It's found in verse 13 of Philippians chapter 4. And it's a verse that we widely use, completely out of context, all too often, because most people never read verses 10, 11, and 12 before reading it. And this is the verse. I can do all this. I can go to prison, I can suffer, I can be well fed, or I can be hungry, I can have a lot, I can have nothing. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And if you look at some of the other writings of the Apostle Paul, you recognize what strength he was talking about. It would actually probably be worded better this way. I can do all this through him who gives me his strength. He was saying, I found the secret to contentment. I found the secret to being okay and at peace no matter where you find yourself. And here's the secret. Not being okay because of everything that's happening around you, but being okay because of who's inside you. Not being okay because of where you are, but being okay because of who you know. See, whether I have a lot or I don't have any, whether I'm in jail or I'm on the road, it doesn't matter because there's one thing that's constant that's true in my life, and that is that Christ is in me, and he gives me strength when I have no strength. When I don't have the capacity to be okay, he gives me the capacity to be okay. It's still not for me, and I still don't have that capacity, but he gives it to me, not in my strength, but in his strength. Like that song that we sang earlier, you make me brave. When we don't have the capacity to be brave, he makes us brave. When we don't know what to do, he gives us his wisdom. We can do all this through him who gives us strength. Basically what he's saying is this, I can't, but he can, and he can through me I can't but he can he can through me no matter what I'm facing no matter what I'm dealing with no matter what I am struggling with I can't and I know it but he can 
he can through me. Now, here's the problem with this particular passage is we've totally misused it in our culture. Most of the time when we see this verse plastered on something, it's plastered on a picture that looks like this. Can you throw that up for me? Something like that. And listen, you got to hear me say, I'm not knocking, this is a a Christian school um, in the Georgia area. I'm not knocking this school. I'm not knocking this team. I'm not knocking the people who throw this up when they're trying to go to the gym and lift a weight that they've never lifted before. And so they say, I can do all things through Christ. I'm not knocking those people um, because it's better to think you can do it in the power of Christ than to not think about Jesus at all. And so I'm not knocking this. But all I am saying is that if the Apostle Paul were here today, and he were watching people getting ready to go out and throw a pigskin around, and beforehand using his verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he would flip a lid because he said, I was in jail. Like, they they took away everything from me. I woke up every morning wondering if that was going to be the last morning, and they were going to cut my head off that day. Like, I was in the middle of utter torment all day, every day, in the worst proverbial holding pattern that you can imagine and I found a place of contentment and it wasn't where I was at but it was who was there with me and it was his strength and his power that was leading me and guiding me and bringing contentment into my heart and my life and you're using this to like pep you up to to give you energy to get you excited to rally the troops see here's what we've done with this passage we've made this passage all about overcoming right I can get out of this holding pattern. I can get out of this financial mess. I can get out of this relational mess. I can, I can, I can. But what about when you can't? What about when you're stuck in a holding pattern and there's nothing you can do to get out because you've made mistakes, you've done things, and now you're reaping the harvest of those mistakes? What about when you're stuck and you can't get out? That's when that verse applies. It's I can face this through Christ who gives me strength. I can face this, not because I can, because if you want to know what I want to do, I want to get out. I want to overcome. I want this to be over. I want to move forward. I want to get from where I am to where I want to be. And I can't be okay with where I am. But he can. And because he's in me, he can through me. You see the difference in the tone? One is, I got the power to get out of where I'm at. But what Paul meant was to be okay where you're at. To be content. To have peace. A peace which in this very same chapter he describes this way. As a peace which passes All understanding. You know what that means? When people look at you and they see contentment in you based on where you're at, it doesn't make sense to them. That's the kind of peace that God wants us to have. Not peace based on our circumstances, but peace despite our circumstances. Not because of where we are, but because of whose we are and who's giving us strength right where we are today that's what God longs for for you and for me to get to the place that the apostle Paul found himself that whether he found himself in prison or on the road whether he found himself in need or with plenty that he was content because he's learned the secret 
And the secret is he can face it all. He can face the struggle. He can face the difficulty. He can face it all with contentment. Because his strength doesn't come from himself. It comes from Christ in him. Some of you showed up to church this morning. And you desperately want out of the holding pattern that you're in. Because you can't find contentment in the middle of it. And maybe, and I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe, just maybe. The reason you struggle finding contentment is because the secret to contentment in the middle of pain is Christ in you. But Christ isn't in you. You carry the weight of this on your shoulders by yourself. And maybe this morning you came here to beg God to get you out of the holding pattern. And what he wants to do in your life instead is something completely different. And that's give you his peace right there in the middle of it. That's why when we talk about the good news, the gospel of Jesus here at Hope City, here's what we say. God wants to meet you in the middle of your brokenness and provide hope. God wants to pick up the broken pieces of your life and fashion something beautiful out of them. It doesn't mean that the broken pieces aren't there. It just means that he takes the brokenness and infuses hope into those circumstances. And maybe some of you are in a holding pattern and you thought the answer was getting out when in fact the answer is Jesus in So, here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask if everybody in the room will close your eyes and bow your heads. Nobody looking around. I just want this to be a quiet moment between you and God. Some of you are here this morning and you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. And Christ is in you, but you don't look to Christ as your source of strength. You don't look to Christ anymore as your source of encouragement. You don't look to Christ anymore as your source of contentment. You are looking everywhere else for contentment, trying to make life work on your behalf. And this morning, you're recognizing and realizing and being reminded of the fact that we live in a fallen, broken, sinful world. And you will always face heartache. You will always face pain. You will always face difficulty. And that you need to put your focus back where it belongs. And that is on Christ in you. If that's you, I want to be able to pray with you this morning. Would you do me a favor and look right up here and make eye contact with me? Just look right up here. You and you and you and you and you. Man, there are eyes all over the room. I see you guys, I see you. Would you just tell God that right now in the quietness of this moment? Just say, God, I've allowed the burdens and the weight of this life to cloud my focus. And I've been focused on the fact that I can't. And it's overwhelmed me. And I've forgotten all too often that you can so you can through me. And I'm longing for your contentment to fill my heart again. Some of you are here this morning and you say, Robbie, I, I'm recognizing for the first time not that I need to walk an aisle, not that I need to say a prayer, not that I need to get baptized. I'm realizing for the first time that I need to place my source of trust in the work of Jesus on the cross who shed his blood and died 
died a death that I couldn't die for myself because of my own shortcomings so that I could be in relationship with God and find contentment in him in the middle of my pain. And I've never done that, and I need to do that for the first time this morning. I won't embarrass you. I won't call attention to you in any way. I won't ask you to come to the front. I just want to be able to pray with you. If that's you, would you look right up here and make eye contact with me? Say, I need a relationship with God through Jesus. I need to put my trust in him. Look right up here and make eye contact with me. I see you. And you. Anybody else? And you. Now I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Would you tell God that in the quietness of this moment? Say, God, I've tried to carry the weight of this on my shoulders. I've tried to do things my own way. I've tried to live life by my own standards and according to my own strength. And this morning, I am surrendering to the fact that I can't. But I trust in the work of Jesus. I trust that he can forgive me God for where I have attempted to do this on my own and help me to trust my life completely to you if that's you I want you to do me a favor again I promised I wouldn't call attention to you or embarrass you and I won't but I want to be able to come alongside you. I want to be able to pray with you and for you by name. And I can't do that if I don't know who you are. So if that's you and you looked at me just a moment ago, would you just grab that connection card that you were handed when you came in? It's attached to that program. Throw your name on there. And on the back, there are some next steps. Check that first box. It says, I'm accepting a relationship with God through Jesus for the first time today. Check that box. And then drop it in the basket on the way out the door so that I can come alongside you, so this church can come alongside you, so that we can pray with and for you. No matter where you find yourself this morning, our heart and our hope is that you walk out of this place with contentment. Not because of where you are, but because of who he is and who he is in you. God, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for preserving the writings of the apostle Paul, which told us about the gift of your son and told us about the contentment we can have in him. May we walk in the confidence, the assurance, the boldness, and more than anything else, the contentment of that reality as we walk out of this place this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray.